0: Hey, did you know that a writer who spent his childhood right here in Minnesota won three Emmys and a Golden Globe for his hit Netflix show last month? And he's on track to win more awards in a few weeks. NPR's Nina Moyni. Talk to him.
1: You've probably heard a million cliches about Minnesota nice. We Minnesotans are known for keeping our anger deep inside, only letting it out through passive aggression or perhaps on the occasional stranger during traffic. Most of us have witnessed or even been a part of some sort of road rage incident in our lives. But once we drive away, that's usually the end of the story. Well, a one-time Minnesota resident-turned-Hollywood writer imagined a road rage beef amplified to the max. Lee Sung-jin created the popular A24 Netflix show Beef, released in April 2023. The series won an Emmy last month for Best Limited Series, along with the award for Best Writing and Best Directing. And now it's up for the Best New Scripted Series at the Independent Spirit Awards later this month. Lee Sung-jin immigrated with his family from South Korea to Minnesota when he was in the sixth grade, and he joins me now to talk about beef as well as his time spent here in Minnesota. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Oh, hello. Thank you for having me.
1: So let's uh, let's start with some rage here, some uh, pent-up rage. Uh, <laughs> I wonder why uh, you decided to sort of embrace rage in this series.
2: You know, I think anger uh, and rage is such uh, an interesting emotion because... I, I don't find it to be a primary emotion. It's usually a, a secondary emotion that sits on top hmm. of a deeper root, whether it's fear or insecurity. And anger is just usually the thing that's covering the real thing. I think that's uh, always narratively a very interesting place to start when characters are projecting an emotion that actually isn't the actual conflict or issue that they're dealing with inside.
1: You know, and a lot of the the rage, so to speak, in this series is focused on class, it seems. Um, We know Ali Wong plays a more wealthy woman in the L.A. art scene. And then Stephen Ewan plays a man struggling to get by, uh, starting a small business. But it's not quite as simple as rich against poor, right? There's no clear side to take in this. Uh, Why did you sort of situate the main characters in that way?
2: A big part of the show is finding commonality um in in our our shared pain and and so we wanted to show very different people from opposite sides of the socioeconomic spectrum that are inside dealing with similar things and you know there's a point in episode seven where there's a a time jump in this series and danny's character played by stephen young he's he's gotten a little bit further in life so he's climbing that that ladder and wondering if it's worth it, if that feeling inside is going to go away, if he just climbs a little bit higher. And one of my favorite scenes is the moment where he asks uh, Ali Wong's character, Amy, uh, of whether it was all worth it. Mm. And, and she says, everything fades, nothing lasts. We're just a snake eating its own tail. Mm. And uh, to me, that's, that's the core of the show, is that there's this collective feeling, I think, in a lot of us of this void of this, feeling in our chest that just kind of never quite goes away. And I think the systems that have been built in in our reality, give the illusion that that is a solvable thing through materialism through the grind. And we always find the more we go through it, that it, it isn't. So I think two characters having to grapple with that in the finale was an ending that we always knew we wanted to head towards.
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean, that is so deep and it's so true. And you can really see the characters trying to fill different voids. And if I could only get this right, if I could only get this right. Uh, So I understand that you were inspired to create me from a road raid incident that you actually experienced in Los Angeles. (laughs) Hopefully it didn't go quite that far, but uh, tell me more about what (laughs) did happen then.
2: There are only a few similarities, thankfully. (laughs) Uh, And it, it started, you know, as all road rages do, where, you know, one person, myself, didn't go fast enough uh, on when the light turned green and, and another vehicle uh, was very frustrated. And and on this day, for some reason, as he drove off after he yelled and cursed at me, I just, I wasn't having a bad day. But I was like, oh, I'm going to follow you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were getting on the highway and I revved up behind him. And, you know, it, it wasn't as climactic or, or action packed as, as the show. But we were we just stuck in traffic for forty-five minutes, going the same direction and, and going to the same exit. And so, I think in his mind, he thought I was a lunatic that was following him through all of Los Angeles. And for me, I was just commuting home, um, you know,
1: <laughs> awkward, and
2: yeah. And so, I thought that were, that was very interesting. That there is here we are in our literal bubbles, um, driving around, projecting so much onto the other person um, without knowing anything about that human. So that was the kernel of the idea. And I had been friends with Ravi Nandan, the head of A24 television for quite some time. And we were just catching up over lunch and I told him the story and I was like, Oh, is there something here? I feel like there's a, there's definitely a story here about two people who, who think they know each other, but they don't. And and it's spiraling out of control. And, and and he was so encouraging and he just told me to really flesh it out and that, there, that, that absolutely there was something here. And, you know, he asked me who I, who I'd want to do this with and, you know, Stephen Yeun has been a friend of mine for, for many years uh, prior to the show. And hmm. uh, we've always been looking for something to do together. So I was like, you know what, uh, maybe this is the this is the one. And I was like, let me call Stephen. And and I, you know, I've i pitched Stephen hundreds of ideas prior to <laughs> oh, this. Wow. And he, and he's always been like, eh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, pitched him maybe, you know, four sentences. And he was like, yo, this is the one. I think this is the one.
1: Well, I'm glad you wore him down because I think he did a just a perfect job. I thought he did such an excellent job and he was very relatable. Um, you know, I think for all immigrants or children of immigrants that he really wanted, you know, to make a home for his parents and, you know, to Mm -hmm. make them proud. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about your time in Minnesota. So you moved from (laughs) Seoul to Minnesota when you were in the sixth grade. And that is not an easy time uh, for really any kid to move, much less from a different country. I moved to the U.S. when I was five. and I understand that it was also a time that you started using the name Sunny Lee, and that's a name that you had used in most of your work up until recently. I know a lot of people and kids feel pressure to change their names uh, when they move to the States. Uh, what nudged you to kind of go back to your given name?
2: You know, I was born in Seoul and I actually moved to Illinois when I was nine months old. And then I moved to Louisiana and then to downtown Minneapolis Mm. and then um, and then to Plymouth, Minnesota. And then I moved back to Korea for third, fourth and fifth grade. And then I moved back to YZ, Minnesota, for sixth grade. I had been in Minnesota kind of two different chunks of my life, but I didn't start going by Sunny Lee until that Korea to YZ move in sixth grade. And yeah, a large part of it was, you know, the classic. They take attendance. I went to Greenwood Elementary School, I believe, okay. uh, for sixth grade. <laughs> and then I was in, at YZ junior high school back when there was a junior high school in seventh grade. And you know, every day of attendance was just the worst because oh. teacher would butcher your name and and everyone would make fun of you. So one day I was just staring at a piece of homework and I thought, Sonny. And I just wrote Sonny for some reason. Mm. And, and that just kind of stuck. You know, the people that know me uh, feel like Sonny is an accurate representation yeah. of my personality a little bit. Mm. And so I, it did well for me. And, I, I, you know, it's a very good name for as I started writing as well. People can remember it. It's, it's easy to type. You know, I I had never planned on switching professionally until around the year Parasite came out. But I was working on Tuca and Bertie, a show on Netflix, and I I was getting, I believe, uh, coffee somewhere. And I paid with my credit card and my legal name is my Korean name. And they they try to call the order with my legal name and and they butchered it much Mm. like sixth grade. There are a few folks around me that started laughing. And I uh, immediately felt ashamed, like I did in sixth grade, I grabbed my order, and I rushed out of there. And I just started thinking about that feeling. Hmm. And I was like, well, you know, when when I hear names like director Bong Joon-ho or director Park chan like, I feel proud. People don't make fun of those names. So I just thought, oh, like, if more Korean names are associated with things that, people love, maybe that'll help change the stigma associated with it. And so I, I went to Lisa Hannewalt, who's the showrunner of Tukumberti, and I asked her, Hey, can I can I actually switch names mid season? Like that was the first time I think professionally I went by Ling Sun Jin was on that show and then it just it felt great. And so I stuck with it.
1: That's awesome. Tell me more about what it was like. You know, you mentioned immigrating to Minnesota and then back and forth and being, you know, among many different cultures and that that can be difficult to navigate. Did you feel like you called on that experience and that's reflected in Beef as well?
2: You know, Danny isn't a Midwestern Korean American, so I think his his psychology is a little bit different, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh he he his character grew up in San Bernardino. Uh, which is a slightly different, I think, psychology. For me personally, I think I actually had a fairly great time. One thing that happens to you then is because, you, you know, you're kind of one of the very few Korean faces you become very quick at adapting. Hmm. Um, You enter a room, you immediately try to recognize who the personalities are, what this person's like, what that person's like, who's the alpha of the situation, who's the bully. And um, you get really quick at reading people. I think that made me very observational from a young age. Hmm. Writing is all observations. So I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from, from moving around in Minnesota so much is how it developed that muscle in my mind.
1: And you've said that uh, writing beef was the most you thing you've ever worked on. And is is that part of it?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, there, there's a Korean word called nunchi. It basically means like the awareness of how others perceive you hmm. at all times. And so my nunchi was really high because of growing up and then trying to adapt. And I think... Um, when you do that, especially at a younger age, um, you try to be a chameleon, and so you lose your sense of self. You are copying and mimicking how others behave, and, and so y- who you are goes on the back burner. When you're trying to write from that place you can't really write from an authentic point of view because you're just copying and mimicking your point of view. And that was probably the first half of my career. It really took like kind of a, a mental breakdown halfway through my career to shake myself out of that and start to really re-examine why it is I'm writing and moreover, why I'm here on this planet wanting to participate in existence. And so uh, I think, um, That led me on a slow journey to be like, okay, well, maybe you should just try being yourself. And then beef became kind of this watershed moment for me.
1: That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. It sounds like you came back to yourself And then you found this amazing success. So that's wonderful. I'm so glad that you did come back to yourself. Lee Sung Jin, creator of the hit show Beef. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I I just also want to say real quick, Minnesota Public Radio for me growing up was such a huge part of my development. My parents would have it on all the time, uh, listening to like all of it just kind of like, molded my brain and storytelling at a young age. Yeah, I, I just Minnesota Public Radio was so influential for my formative years. So just to want to toss that out there. And uh, thank you all for what you do and just for existing. Oh,
1: that means so much. And thank you. And as a kid who was a little uh, Iranian kid growing up in Apple Valley, (laughs) (laughs) I have to say it's very um, wonderful and special to hear people talking about what it's like to navigate different cultures and how difficult that can be and really an important thing to touch on. So I really appreciate your vulnerability there.
2: Oh, no, thank you so much.
0: That's NPR's Nina Moyni talking with Lee Sung-jin, the creator of the Emmy and Golden Globe winning show Beef, which you can see on Netflix. And I absolutely love hearing that he grew up with NPR as a kid when he was in the Twin Cities. I wonder what his favorite show was. That's fantastic. You, friends, are following Lee Sung-jin's lead by listening today. Now, you might want to take another step by becoming a member. Our winter member drive starts next week. And when you donate early, you can get your year-round Minnesota State Parks vehicle permit as our thanks to you. You can do that right now, as a matter of fact. Support, of course, pays for the news and the programs that matter to you and your neighbors. You can donate right now, mprnews.org, and get the State Parks permit. Thank you so much for listening to Minnesota Now here on MPR News.